Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. This episode is a special two-part series that is actually from a live presentation that I made for the Nashville Area Pharmacist Association. So this is a group that meets every month in the Nashville or Middle Tennessee area and uh, brings together different topics and speakers and as a way for pharmacists in the area to connect. I had the privilege of picking a topic which I selected to be healthcare disruption and I hope you enjoy the episode. A lot of activity within the pharmacy world. She's the current director of the Dispensary of Hope. As some of you may have had uh, uh, lectures on or interactions with or heard about it through the grapevine. I'm sure afterwards she may be able to answer some questions or have some contact info. Um, she also is responsible for a podcast, the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, in which case you might be heard on this recording if you're sitting too close to it and you start asking where the lemon cookies are. So uh, this will be recorded and possibly if the recording's good enough, uh, put on her podcast. Um, she's gonna be speaking tonight about disruption, potentially, if any, of pharmacy. Uh, and without really getting too much more into it, because I don't quite know what she's gonna talk about, we're gonna uh, go ahead and let Dr. Blackmore get started. Please give your uh, attention, thank you. Thanks, Joseph, for that introduction. I'm so excited to be here tonight to talk with you all about the topic of healthcare is getting disrupted. Is pharmacy ready? Um, so, why is uh, non adherence important? Or, why are medications such an important piece of the whole healthcare puzzle? Well, non adherence leads to $100 to $300 billion annually of avoidable healthcare costs. So there are a lot of different reasons why patients don't take their medicine and you probably know or can you know think of a, a lot of those off the top of your head. Um, but we know that adherence to medication lowers total health cost spending. Um, so you know, of course, we as pharmacists can provide MTM and counseling and really hone in um, on the importance of taking uh, their medication. But you've also seen some, some innovation happening in the adherence space. So um, you've got things like Pillsy or, you know, these different things that are coming up uh, that are home devices that um, help patients to remember when to take their medications or text messages or other kind of automated and digital responses. Um, OSCA, which is actually the company that um, Jason Carter works for, you'll hear from next month. Um, OSCA was the very first pharmaceutical company that came out with a pill called the Proteus sensor, and it um, was implanted in the Abilify 
um, medication. And the cool thing about that is it is able to tell when a patient takes their medicine. So it's a digital sensor inside that pill. So every time a patient takes that medication, that doctor or pharmacist knows. Um, so it's particularly helpful in the uh, behavioral health space where we already know there's a lot of compliance issues, but you know, there's, there's probably other some things that we gotta think through, like how do, we, how do we talk to that behavioral health patient about you're gonna have something that tracks something inside of you and they're already schizophrenic. So I'm sure they're trying to figure all of that out. Um, so, you know, what are some ways uh, that pharmacy can play a leadership role and really help um, with addressing medication solutions to improve health outcomes? So, um, some ways that Dispensary of Hope helps um, or can help uh, with that is providing medications free of charge, which we um, have a study that demonstrates uh, the reduction in ED visits inpatient visits and length of stay. So the advisory board company, which is a nationally recognized research and consulting firm, uh, they were even just acquired by Optum. So again, another merger or acquisition. Um, they did a research study for us all in gratis about two years ago, and they're in the, the works of doing another expanded look. But they looked at patients pre and post enrollment in Dispensary of Hope at St. Thomas Health and we're able to, to track all of those uh, reductions. Um, serving more patients with access to unlimited ordering of medicines, um, achieving goal of better patient access, um, providing medications at discharge, so transitions of care is obviously a big hot topic that you know, we're all talking about, so that of course helps to decrease readmissions and improve patient outcomes. Um, so as health systems and, and as we all as healthcare professionals are aiming towards you know, the true north of, of population health, um, what we're really looking at is trying to address the triple aim, which is um, IHI or the Institute for Healthcare Improvements um, triple aim, which is to decrease costs, improve population health, and enhance the patient experience. So I've talked a little bit about population health. So um, what is population health? Uh, has anybody heard that term or heard it used? So it's kind of becoming a little more popular now. Um, so it's been defined as the health outcomes of the individuals, including the distribution of such outcomes within the group. So, um, why, and why is it important to pharmacy? Well, ASHP actually puts together a pharmacy forecast every year. They interview pharmacy leaders at health systems all across the country and interview them about what they see as the future trends. And so that's called ASHP's pharmacy forecast. And in 2017, Population Health was one of their key findings on where pharmacy needs to look for in the future. So what is pharmacy's role in population health? Well, we can help with med access. So um, social determinants of health, so that's talking about patient social, environmental, cultural issues. So a lot of times a patient zip code can tell a lot about um, you know, how their, their outcomes are gonna be. So you know, maybe they're living in a, a poor um, zip code, maybe it's, it has a food desert, they don't have access to good food, 
Um, maybe transportation is an issue. So these are all things that as pharmacists we need to be thinking about. So, you know, when you're when you've got a patient that's not, you know, taking it, they're not showing up to get their meds filled regularly, like are you know, do they have transportation? Well, maybe it's because they're skipping and they're trying to take their pills every other day to make it last. Um, you know, do they have a caretaker to help them remember to, to take their medicine? So those are all things that pharmacists can play a role in. Um, so again, pharmacy has a, a couple different ways that we can play a key role in population health. So comprehensive medication management, uh, care coordination, information technology strategies, and again, medication access. So I mentioned dispensary of hope as one of those ways. It takes, you know, multiple tools. So, you know, we've got patient assistance, you've got um, coupon cards, you've got discount cards, you've got $4 lists. Um, some organizations are able to utilize 340B. Um, so you've got to look at all the different strategies of, you know, how can you get uh, that patient access to medicine. Uh, even Blink um, is a new innovative thing. Uh, it's an app and, and people can go online. You don't have to be uninsured. Uh, it could be, you know, your uh, cousin or uh, brother or sister or whomever could go online to the Blink website and put in the name of their medication and go ahead and pay for it. And then on your app, you just show up at the pharmacy and pick up your prescription. And so they've got contracts with um, pharmacies all over the country that allows them to negotiate um, better deals on that. Okay, so focusing in on actionable opportunities for pharmacies. So, um, you know, another trend that we're seeing in, uh, especially in the health system space, is pharmacists being involved in the C-suite. So, for many years, you know, we've seen pharmacy um, as you know, directors of pharmacy, et cetera, but we've, we really haven't seen a lot of chief pharmacy officers. And now more and more systems are realizing that, okay, you've got a chief medical officer, you've got a chief nursing officer, well, what about a chief pharmacy officer? Because pharmacy is involved in a lot of key priorities for that health system. So um, you're gonna see a lot of systems taking specialty pharmacy in-house because they realize that they can um, recognize some, some big revenue from that. Uh, so that's something that, you know, is a, is a big trend. Uh, running an employee spin, so, so um, requiring employees to get their prescriptions filled there on site. Um, you know, looking at how do we help to ma manage costs. So um, nonprofit hospital systems, you know, probably for-profit too, you keep seeing, you know, CHS and life point stocks and everybody you know everyone's stocks are going down it's just really hard to to um to keep up uh in the space but um so pharmacy has usually been seen as you know a cost center so like profit center but pharmacy can also play a role in cost containment so you know how do we reduce spend and you know and better integrate pharmacist services on the clinical care teams and improve those um, transitions of care, um, et cetera. Uh, so again, you know, this reiterates with APHA's um, vision and statement of patients are a key, play a key role uh, in healthcare reform, 
and are able to help um, improve health outcomes and reduce uh, health care costs. Uh, so why are disruptors important? Um, so we know that adopting technology has improved outcomes. So think about you know, the improvements that we've had from using paper charts to transitioning to an EHR. Um, you can probably provide better care for your patient because you've got all of that information there. Um, something that, that I would actually love to see that is uh, number three on the pillars of disruption is actually the, the connection architecture. So talking about interoperability, um, which uh, the Center for Interoperability, the National Center for Interoperability, is actually right here in Nashville. Um, they're in like the one city area. Uh, so Nashville, with it being such a healthcare hub, um, it's fascinating that there's so much innovation and you know, you've got all of these big uh, corporations here. So interoperability, like thinking about actually having the EHR talk to the pharmacy operating system. So when you're at CVS or Walgreens or you know your independent pharmacy working, you don't know that um, James Smith uh, was discharged with heart failure and they actually uh, discontinued one med and changed this one unless he prints off a paper for you and you know like you actually have that kind of conversation. So having some interoperability with systems is important. Um, so consumerism, you know you've got to get people to adopt these things. Uh, so I'm thinking another thing along the lines of consumerism, people want to know how much healthcare costs. So uh, we even had a question earlier, like how much does that drug cost? And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And so that's when you're seeing um, some, some new companies come out like uh, MD Save, which is actually like an amazon.com for medical procedures. Um, so, you know, it allows uh, doctors to be able to put their procedures online and to be paid up front versus having to wait months and months to recoup that from a patient's insurance. And you can still deduct that from your deductible. Um, it's got to be a disruptive innovation, so getting rid of an old model to the new, talking about um, paper charts, moving to EHR, um, and then the economic model has got to work. Okay, so moving forward, what are some ways that pharmacy can really um, look at uh, healthcare through the lens of innovation and um, you know insert ourselves as a solution? So you know we've talked a little bit about population health, um, hospital system leadership, uh, telehealth. There's also telepharmacy. Um, so you're probably going to see that where. Um, you know, in remote areas, utilizing telepharmacy where a technician is there dispensing it with pharmacist oversight. Specialty pharmacy, pharmacogenomics is a really big area. Uh, informatics, um, as I mentioned, the referral system for pharmacists, having pharmacists embedded. I know um, HCA does a really good job of um, integrating uh, pharmacists into their physician practices and making that a key priority. Um, and then mental health first aid. Um, so moving forward, uh, what are some ways that pharmacists, uh, you know, should they can you know become educated on health and public policy, uh, get involved in those strategy discussions, um, you know, using all of your pharmacy skill sets. Sets you've probably heard about practicing at the top of your license. Um, so using all of those skills that we've been trained to do. 
uh, creating new opportunities and establishing credible leadership support with other healthcare team members. All right, so what are some ways that you can stay up to date? Um, so, you know, even now, they're starting with required curriculum in pharmacy school, talking about innovation and entrepreneurism. So I know that wasn't something when I went through school that we talked about, but I was um, looking at a local college's uh, submission for ACPE. ACPE, is that right? I think Blair was on that panel with me. Um, when they came in and are evaluating you know, pharmacy school. So that's, that's now in the curriculum, innovation and entrepreneurism. Um, reading non-pharmacy specific healthcare articles. So some that I particularly enjoy reading are Becker's Review. Um, New England Journal of Medicine has a, a weekly, um, not, it's not journal focused like on different trials and things, it's actually about innovation happening in healthcare called Catalyst. And then the advisory board company has uh, daily briefings that are really great. Um, reading the, the ASHP pharmacy forecast, um, attending local and, and national state meetings. Uh, so doing things like you're already doing, you're already here um, attending uh, NAPA meetings to network with colleagues and share ideas and things like that. Um, you can also listen to podcasts. Um, so how many of you have a LinkedIn account? Okay, so social media is another really great way for you to stay up to date. Um, and how many of you have Twitter? Okay, so kind of the same group. Um, so those are also a really great way, even Instagram. I mean, I'm now using Instagram to get, uh, you know, stuff served up on my feed. I, like Core Consult is a guy that puts together some really, um, he will uh, basically do some like memes and things on like pharmacy like knowledge, which is cool. Um, so, shameless plug. Um, so I have a podcast that's on iTunes. It's called Talk to Your Pharmacist, and um, I've been doing this for the past year. So starting in August of 2017, um, I was able to interview 45. Uh, pharmacy leaders from all over the country and that was just in year one um, starting in year two uh, I've got a, a sponsor for it now which so turning that hobby um, into uh, a little bit more of a business it's not really a, a big business but it's um, it's at least funding my hobby and, and that passion um, and so, you know, different topics like, uh, like 340B, DSCSA, career coaching, um, a wide variety of, of guests, um, which has been really fun. And, you know, like just this, over the weekend, I got a, a LinkedIn message from a student at like University of Nevada. And he's like, hey, I enjoy listening to your podcast. Like, thank you so much or something. And I was like, yes. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So um, I, I am hopeful that it's delivering value and a way for, because we get so inundated with articles and like you've got to read all this stuff. So, you know, putting in a podcast, um, there's a couple other ones out there too, but sometimes listening um, when you're in the car is a really great way to, to stay up to date on things. Um, so advocacy for the profession. Um, sorry that my slides were a little cut off in a few places, but. Um, so, you know, when we're doing advocacy, um, you know, all of these legislators know that there needs to be a change, but 
if we're able to come together with viable solutions, um, then that's really powerful. So, you know, pharmacy needs to think about what are the things that other professions aren't doing. Um, so a great example of that is pharmacogenomics. So doctors want to do it, but they don't have the time, they don't have the training, and so pharmacists need to really step into that niche as the medication experts and do what we do best. And so I've been able to talk with a couple of different people um, who actually are like setting up consulting shops to provide pharmacogenomic um, support for multiple physician practices. Um, so this, for example, is um, Congressman Buddy Carter. He is the only pharmacist in uh, the U.S. Congress. He came down to Dispensary of Hope when we had our open house and um, was able to, to talk with us and learned about hopefully one of the good things happening in uh, you know, the healthcare space with Dispensary of Hope. Um, and then you know, uh, one of the fun things that I get to do with my job is um, being able to share um, with legislators and uh, some of these key groups like the FDA and um, other bodies you know, talking about what we do because we don't want any potential legislation to come forward that could prohibit, you know, the work of Dispensary of Hope. And so um, that's really been a joy to be able to be out there and advocating for Dispensary of Hope and for, you know, really the entire pharmacy profession. Uh, so some assess and one assessment question to make sure that all of you were, uh, you know, not too sleepy after your nice carb load, pasta, and dessert. Um, but what are some ways that pharmacy can be involved in healthcare transformation? All right, all of the above. All right, and that's my information. I've got cards as well, but I'd love to um, you know, answer any questions about Dispensary of Hope. I know I, that was um, pretty short and brief, and there's so much that um, I would love to share about that. And then if you um, ever have any oops, sorry, questions about you know, a podcast, if there's a topic that you want to learn about, or if you know of an interesting guest, um, I'm always looking for that as well. So thanks so much for your attention. Oh, we already have questions. You're talking about a patient? Yes. Okay, so yeah, so so Dispensary of Hope is a wholesale distributor, or a charitable wholesale distributor. So we don't interface directly with patients. So what we do is we have a network of pharmacies and clinics all over the country, and um, so we, they're on our website. So the patient could type in their zip code. Um, we have like 15 plus locations in Tennessee uh, not as much over in the East Tennessee area, so um, you know we're and we're always looking for introductions. So we're a small team; we have less than 25 employees, and a lot of it is is word of mouth. So if you you know know of uh, if maybe you're practicing in um, just around the corner, I won't name any hospital names, but if it's a nonprofit hospital. Um, that has an outpatient pharmacy, that's a really great spot for our medications. Now again, for-profit, 
we haven't been able to figure that out legally since we're we're a nonprofit. Um, but we have really great support from the for-profit hospitals as well because you know they see that if you've got a charitable pharmacy in the community, then you know patients usually can go there and get their meds. So you know the patient may not only go to that that one hospital or one clinic. You know they sometimes will bounce around. And so as long as we're getting patients access to medicine. Um, we try to find those nodes and, and find the best place in that community. So it's on our website. But they can be outside Davidson County? Oh yeah, we have them in multiple counties. Right, but we don't have one in our county. So oh. when I refer someone from, say, Robertson County mm -hmm. to someone in Davidson County and then still get access to medications? Yes. So, for instance, at St. Thomas Health, both their west and Midtown locations, um, any patient can come in with a prescription and get their medicine filled. So it's treated like an open door pharmacy. They don't turn you away. You don't have to be a St. Thomas patient. Um, a lot of other um, organizations are like that. Um, sometimes we do work with organizations that only fill for their uh, providers, but. Um, but yeah, if you have a, we, we hear that all the time that people like, for instance, this weekend, um, St. Thomas is doing a medical mission at home and patients from all over the city, like over 800 people come for this free day of healthcare. Um, it's uh, down at the municipal auditorium and it's a really awesome way to be able to give back um, in your city. I'm so glad that you asked that. I forgot to tell that in my slide. So we see that waste in the pharmaceutical um, industry is happening and you hear it all over the news. Like there's so much, like patients have all of this and you know, they've got all these like opioids and you've got all this and you know, you've got like drug take back days. Um, but actually uh, something that's really interesting that's been implemented in several states, uh, Wyoming and Iowa being the two leaders, but they have um, what is called a drug repository program. And so they have a centralized um, system set up where they will actually um, take medication back from patients. Now it's gotta be unused and you know, still in the original container. Um, and, and, you know, with long-term care facilities, they can also um, take that. But then they're able to um, mail that out to patients in need all over Wyoming or all over Iowa. And um, someone, a pharmacist here in the Tennessee, well, in Tennessee, um, down in Memphis, uh, that runs a charitable pharmacy called Good Shepherd Pharmacy, he has been connected with those people and actually brought forth legislation last year um, to create one for the state of Tennessee. So um, that was passed. I don't think the model's operational yet, but he's actually <coughs> founding a new company. So not only does he have this like standalone brick and mortar um, charitable pharmacy called Good Shepherd Pharmacy that's right across the street from Methodist in Memphis, but he's also working with the FedEx um, foundation that um, helped him get a grant uh, with their technology group to do like a blockchain program with long-term care meds. So really fascinating stuff. I don't think it's active yet, but um, 
uh, the NCSL or National Conference of State Legislators. Uh, if you look on their website for drug repository program, it lists every single state that has a program that has a legislation passed and then every state that has um, it enacted. So you can learn more about that on that website. Okay, well I know I'm the only thing that's keeping y'all from your uh, getting back home. So thanks so much for your attention. Thank you, Hillary. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Thank you again, everyone, for coming out tonight for our large group. Thanks for listening to part two of the episode, Healthcare is Getting Disrupted, is Pharmacy Ready? It was a really fun opportunity to be able to speak with some of the local pharmacists here in the Nashville area. And if anyone is looking for speakers for their future event, uh, please check out my website www.pharmacyadvisory.com and you'll hear some of the other topics uh, and get some more details about that would love to come and talk to your group and back to our sponsor theraworks relief uh, this is a muscle ache reliever and i have used it to help me when i am doing some training and have some muscle cramps so be sure to check out theraworksrelief.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.